Wow. Welcome back. We have another great one. We really do. We, oh guys, we really have a good one today. Our dear, dear, dear friend, Miss Dana Dang is on the podcast. We love her so much. <sighs> We've been waiting for this it physically day. hurts. We have been. Dana, my love for Dana and her dog, Benny, is just... Benadryl, full name. Yep, full name. <laughs> Thank you so much. Is fully just their piece of my heart. Knows no bounds. Knows yeah. no bounds. And not only is she like probably one of the best people that we've ever encountered in our lives, but she is also just such a badass. Mm-hmm. She is a social and influencer marketing strategist and brand advisor, which is a very okay. neat way of saying she's a boss. The reason why any of us know how to do anything is because of Dana. Literally anything. She's the founder and CEO of Digital Media Architects, LLC, a company that provides full-service social and influencer marketing strategy and management to some of your favorite brands. And the coolest thing about her is if you follow her, you like know who she works with. If you know, you know. She name drops one big one on the podcast, so listen to it. But she kind of just name a couple. No, because she doesn't want us to. No, just the ones that are on the site. Oh, sure. There's a sneaky place that are on the site. Let me just name a couple of these for you. See if you've heard of them. HBO? Mm. Playboy? Who? Who? What? Starface? Any of those? No. There's more that I want to say that are even wilder, but let's. why don't you get to know her first? Just get to know her first. Um, We talked about a lot. A lot, a lot, Oh, a my lot. God. Okay, well, let's back up. She's clearly one of our very good friends. Not only did we want her on the podcast, because like we said, she's incredible in this field and is truly the reason why our entire girl group knows how to do anything, because we all just go to her because she's genius. But she is one of the most resilient people that we know, hands down. Truly. Like this, this woman's story is monumental and so powerful and... I don't think anyone would ever know that about her, especially no. when you're like, oh, social media market. Like you just, it, it's such a good example of you really never know where someone's been. You know, and you never know. Dana was so gracious and coming on and being like, I have no boundaries. I have no limits. Like, I love you guys. Let, let's talk about it all. And boy, yeah. did she give us the whole story. She has and an incredible story. It's absolutely gripping. She's so beautiful. She is so resilient. Like what she's moved through, she gives beautiful advice and insight over people that want to like better their personal development journeys, but are living in an unsafe or unstable reality. Mm. I don't even want to give any hints. You got to hear it to believe it. So let's just go straight to her. Just go straight to the episode. Also, I did want to give a little caveat. I was really sick when we recorded this episode. So my energy is very low and I don't talk very much. Meadow carried this. No, I didn't. Dana did. Well, Dana did. I mean, like between yeah. the two, the between the two of us, of course, Dana did. But between the two of us, Meadow really had to handle it because I was not feeling well. But it was a really good day for that because Dana had no. I had nothing the to perfect say. Perfect story. Can you imagine it, if we had a, a random guest that we didn't know on? You know what I mean? And then we had to like your feeling sick conversation. No, 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 absolutely no. no. This is this is three very good friends talking about some real shit. Three very good friends, but also like I didn't have shit to say because that like right. I was just her story you in said awe. is so gripping and I'm just so in awe of her. Yeah. And forget about what she's accomplished professionally, just in awe of the human being. It's the being least interesting the thing kind, about her. Yeah, <laughs> literally, like the kindness that radiates out of this woman, you guys will see. So enjoy the episode. Palpable. Thank you for tuning in. Check her out. Check Follow her, her out. if you ever need social help. Oh my gosh, we mentioned it in the podcast, but I'd like to mention again, if it isn't abundantly clear how genius Dana is, you're about to find out. If you ever need 
support or think, oh man, I wish I could pick that chick's brain. She's so smart. She's Mm. actually so kind and nice and beautiful that if you make a donation to Planned Parenthood of her hourly rate, $350, and send her a receipt of it, you get an hour of her time and her attention and her help and her strategy. So why don't you do something good for women's rights and help empower people that need it right now? And also get something in return that is fucking invaluable and lessons that you will take with you for months because we all have. Only reason I started a Twitter, remember I started a Twitter? We talked about that a couple episodes ago. Is the only reason I did is because Dana's like, you start a Twitter, you get verified there, you get verified on Instagram, babe. Put all your high thoughts on Twitter. You're perfect for it. Okay, we got to go. We got to go. It's going to be a minute intro. It's five minutes. Go listen to it. Bye. Dana, we adore you. Thank you so much. I've been on back-to-back calls. I'm exhausted, but I was ready to talk to you too. And I have water next to me because I think that's what podcasters do. Oh, I have some tea and I have we some very water much and a stress ball just for funs. Oh, I want to stress. I stand by. We should make TMV stress balls. <laughs> yeah, we should. The listeners know that lately I've, I've been having this stress ball that I got in a Mayfair event. I keep it with me. I, I think know. we need to make them. Let's make them. I'll help you make them and right? we'll give them away as our gift to the world. That'd be so cute. Yeah. Dana, tell the people what you just said before I clicked record. She goes, I'm ready to black out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm ready to black out because sometimes when I talk about myself, I black out. And let's black out for an hour together. So cheers. <laughs> water. So cheers with our water? Yep. <laughs> cheers to you. drink it. Mm-hmm. Mm. <laughs> Get okay, that well, ASMR. We do start everyone with an unpacking. Gabby, mm-hmm. you want to you wanna tee that up for us? Oh, sure do. You're so, so good every at Every episode. I feel like I'm like on autopilot when I explain and unpacking. I know. Every episode, we ask our guests to tell us what they're unpacking. It can be anything as deep or superficial as you want to go. Okay. So what if there's many things I'm unpacking? Oh, my God. Like We can work through them or okay. pick your face. So maybe I'll do... <laughs> <laughs> Pick your favorite trauma. <laughs> so like immediately, physically, I'm unpacking my house. So I feel like mm. disarray. Uh, uh, yeah. Disarray. There's no video effects. Never mind. And we can make that happen. Don't disarray. underestimate our editor, Kay. <laughs> Kay will do it. Yeah. Thank you, Kay, in advance. That's immediately what I'm unpacking physically. And then in my home, I'm unpacking how to learn to live with a partner. Um and in living therapy, with boys is gross. Oh, Sorry. living with boys is gross. Um, Talked about it all last night. It's so gross. I mean, we've gotten into like our first fight, and like Trevor and I don't fight. Also, we we fought maybe five times in the eleven years we've been together. That was fight number five. We've been together because- eleven years. I didn't even know that. Sorry, I didn't know it was yeah. eleven years. Yeah, oh, forever. I love you guys. Oh, and then in therapy, it's a whole other thing. I'm unpacking. A lot. Uh, But what comes to mind of like my session last week was the term laziness and how I'm redefining it in my life. I think growing up with like refugee uh, grandparents, immigrant parents, they're always like, do your work, don't be lazy type of thing. Mm -hmm. And like, that's always been like, instilled in my brain. And it even got to a point where like, one day my mom, which we will unpack this later on the call, it was like, you need to go to school like they called me stop being lazy and so I always thought the word lazy was such like a bad word and it actually wasn't until recently that I I recognized that 
it doesn't have to be something that's a bad word. And it's actually like, oh, you're being lazy. Like, hell yeah. Like you <laughs> should be lazy. I like, and now whenever I'm lazy, I try to embrace it, but it felt like I was going so against something that was like instilled with me, like at my core of who I am. And so now I'm unpacking like and relearning. I don't know. That's such yeah, a That good makes one. so much sense. You're also... Uh, Preaching to the choir with that, like we talk about that so much of of um, switching that in our brains and like understanding that in order to be productive, we also need to rest, and Mm -hmm. rest can be productive when it's in that way. And rest can look like laziness. Mm -hmm. Mass under a different word, you know. Mass under a different word, and. Yeah, I guess how like productivity and we talked about this Gabby in like the other article that you so graciously featured me in. Oh my god, so oh, gracious, read it, we'll like it I was below. like, Dana, can I please write about you? <laughs> Gabby Meadow, I, I don't know. I feel so lucky to know you both. Anyways, um So like yeah, the funny. word laziness though, and it it's like a trigger word, which I'm like, is it the word trigger isn't correct there, but it's like it just irked my body. And it was just like a whoo, like I got to run away from it. But yeah. now I'm, yeah. I'm diving deep into it. And now I'm, then it's, I started spiraling and realizing yep. there's a lot I need to relearn. <laughs> and so I've opened up that can of worms and now I'm like, ah. and then my therapist was like, I'm going on vacation next week. I'll see you on the 20th. Oh, I'm they like, always nice. do. Yep. Right. Like, you're like, you're not nice. allowed. Great. So when did you start therapy? Oh, way later than I should have. Um, maybe three, two years, two to three years ago. Okay. Same, Um, same therapist the whole time so far. Yes. Same therapist. Cool. Okay. Um, But hold on. What? I'm just going to be, when she goes, I started therapy later than I should have. Okay. I need everyone. And you guys are all going to hear Dana's life like real quick, but no, I'm just going to say no to what you just yeah. said because everyone, I think we, we don't get accept into that therapy. as an answer. Yeah, I think we get into therapy and we do the self work at the time uh, that it's met for us. Yes. And yeah. the fact that the type, you like, were ready to, to do it. Exactly. Yes. You're in your early 20s when you started in therapy. Like, it's something mm-hmm. that a lot of people do not do. And to not only have come from your upbringing to have the foresight to be like, I need therapy and put yourself in it with mm-hmm. resources that. The only reason you have the resources is because you've worked your ass off to get them. Yeah. Yes. So okay. you're not wrong. I will say that. I, she's <laughs> like, fine. This is my favorite I? sentence. Literally, um, my favorite sentence to hear is that I am correct. You are not wrong. Gabby is correct. We will put that on the. She's stress always ball. right. Gabby's always That's right. Stress ball. That's put on the stress ball. Yeah. Gabby's Gabby always, right. always right. We could make two versions: one with Gabby's name, one with something Meadow says on this. Meadow's episode. probably yeah. wrong. Yeah. No. <laughs> I'm gonna make ask Dana, ask Dana stress balls. <gasps> what, would Dana do? what would Dana do? What would Dana do? It's the way we live our lives, truly. I mean, more actually, than you know. No, no, genuinely more than you know, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah, I guess that's true. I do help you all. Also, I'm so sorry. I said yeah so loud because I'm in your ears so loud. It's going to sound normal later, though, so just roll yeah. with it. Don't even worry about it, baby. The people okay. know. The people know. know. Listen, they're not here for our sound quality, okay? <laughs> <laughs> That's not what they come for. No. They not sure what they do, but... The fact that I joined this call and Meadow and Gabby were in a fight. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. 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 
So yeah. we can't let that one go. That's going in the episode. I know. Uh, we've started to air out our fights more for the people just for entertainment. So far, no one thinks it's funny but us. <laughs> Listen. But Dana does. now. I know. think it's funny. And I think yeah. there should be way more listeners to this podcast than there are. And so everyone, if you're listening right now, I'm shamelessly plugging my friends. Share this link to five of your closest friends that you care about and want to show love to. And you know what? If you share this link and prove that you share this link to your friends, we will send you a free stress ball. Yes, once, ball. <laughs> once we make them. <laughs> once they're made. This is my Sharpie stress ball because I copied Gabby. I need to hold something now. Mm-hmm. But oh my God. We'll send fuck. you one. So yes, share this episode to five friends. And if you actually do it, DM me and I'll tell Gabby and Meadow and we'll send you them. I was like, her, your strategy is showing, Dana. I know. I, was I, can't, like, I can't help it. But it's it's You're just teeing <laughs> us up for so many questions we're yeah, going to we ask were you later. It's not that. even funny. Like, your genius is already showing. Oh, love it. Okay, let's keep going. I don't know where I am. Let's start. Let's start with your truncated life story. Let's trauma bond like you and I did on our okay. phone call that you blacked out and don't remember, which I will take forever as the day we fell in love. So it's no big yes. deal. Um, I love you forever. Um, <laughs> oh, who am I? What happened? My life. Oof. I was born in Orange County when 1995. Ooh, am I allowed to say my age? I don't know. I don't yeah. really tell people my age, but now they know. Um, which is another out. thing we can unpack as a CEO who's young, who tries to be taken seriously. Yeah, Anyways, absolutely. Um, I was born in Orange County. My mom met my dad when she was 15, and he happened to have been running... Um, He was from Orange County. My mom was from Minnesota. He was running from a gang because Mm. he was in a gang and they wanted to kill him. So he was hiding in Minnesota and that's where he met my mom when she was 15. Mm. That's when she was like, ah, this man, love of my life. Yep. I'm going to follow you to California. Classic. Gets knocked up when she's 16, has me when uh, she's 17 and... There you have it, folks. I was born. My mom was 17 years old. (laughs) And um, my mom and my biological dad, who I haven't seen in years, they didn't get along and he physically harmed her. And Mm. so she left him when I was two and brought me back to little Minnesota, where my grandparents live. And this was, my mom was 19 and I always try to give her some grace because she's so young when this is all happening. And which is so empathetic and <sighs> self-actualized of you, but keep going. Yes. I, and, and it's interesting. As I tell this story, every time I start to unpack new things. Mm-hmm. So like you're really experiencing like. Oh, but in shit. real time. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah I'm yeah. telling this story to you again, Meadow, but then Gabby, I don't know if I've unpacked this fully with you. And it's like now, I don't know. I'm just looking at it with a new perspective, which is fun. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, my mom and I, we were in Minnesota near my grandparents and uh cut to a kindergarten i lived with my grandparents and my mom lived in the twin cities my grandparents lived like three hours away in like a small farm town and she basically was just trying to figure out life for me uh she had a boyfriend at the time his name was izzy um i just remember being a kid always asking like where's my dad where's my dad where's my dad Mm -hmm. because i knew him until Mm -hmm. i was two i don't know Mm -hmm. i just lived at my grandparents. My mom would visit me on the weekends. And then eventually she moved me in with her and Izzy in the first grade. And I hated Izzy. I hated him so much. And this turns into a pattern in my life with my mom's boyfriends. We lived together actually in a lovely like apartment. I would go to school. 
and it was fine. And I, I, I liked my life. Um, mm-hmm. other than the fact that I hated Izzy and mm-hmm. then cut to the fourth grade when I finally, finally like started to like Izzy. And then I was like, you know what? I'm going to call him dad, call them dad in the fourth grade. And then I shit you not a week later, they broke up. Oh, <laughs> and so that was a bummer, and I love Izzy so much to this day. They do you have a up. relationship to this day? Yes, we That's do. That's amazing. And he has kids now, and yeah. he's even, like, slight tangent in the story, he's even said, like, today, as an adult, like, when we talk, he unpacks and realizes, like, the fact that him and my mom, like, took me to scary movies that were rated R in the first grade, or mm. to the bars with them when I was in yeah. first grade and second grade, he realizes that was so wrong now that he has had kids and he had to say that to me. And I wow. tell him on the opposite end, those are actually the happiest childhood memories I've had mm, wow. because it all went downhill from there. So buckle right. up yeah. everyone. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh gosh. So yeah, they broke up. I was really bummed and I just lived with my mom. He was fine. We, like, we lived in an apartment. Life was okay. Cut to the seventh grade where my mom, she was a real estate agent, had decided to stop doing real estate. And I believe this was around the time of the recession. And mm-hmm. um, she decided, hey, you know what? I'm going to be a stripper. And guess what? I had no idea. <laughs> um, I I knew she like worked at like bars and clubs, but I always, she said she was a server. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't think anything of it. This was the time she started dating this guy, Paul, who I also hated. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, this was sixth grade. She dated him before. Or I was like, sixth grade sounds right because in 2008, I'm in eighth grade and that's like peak recession, right? So you're two years younger. So yep, yep, yep. So yeah. sixth grade, she's a stripper yeah. dating this guy, Paul. I the only memory I have here is coming home from school and walking into the house and seeing my mom and Paul fighting and he had thrown a, an iron through a TV to get back to her car and I like had a little Nokia phone and I started to type in 911 and he grabbed my phone and threw it at the wall and yeah. I've never been so scared in my life like I'm shaking right now. Um, and so he was like, no, you're not calling the cops. And eventually they broke up. But when they broke up in the seventh grade was when my mom was like, you know what? Like I got to go start a life for you in Orange County, Dana, because I need to get away from Paul. And I said, okay. So I lived with my aunts for seventh grade. At this time, are you sharing any of this with friends? Are you too young to kind of too yeah. young. I, yeah. I didn't Just know curious. what was For happening. Sure. For um, sure. And I also, as a kid, I was in this discovery mode of like, wow, this is what it's like to live in a city. This is what it's like to have friends. Mm-hmm. And all of my friends had mm-hmm. like normal lives with parents. Mm-hmm. And like, I would have sleepovers to escape like mm-hmm. the disarray at home or the uneasiness. Mm-hmm. And so I was so enveloped in that, that I wasn't focused on how bad home was. Right. Because I was reaching for other things. Right. Because um, that survival. Yeah. 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 And I didn't realize I did that as a kid. Um, no, because when no. you're in it, you can't. And you're, like you said, a kid. So how yes. are you supposed to realize? So, yeah. Right. Exactly. Like, how do you even have yeah. the verbiage to know that you're in survival mode? Exactly. Uh-uh. It's just you like, don't. I want to go have a sleepover. Exactly. <laughs> That's what you right. say when you're 12. Right. But yeah, cut to seventh grade. My mom was like, you know what? I need to get away from Paul. I'm moving to start a life for you closer to your biological dad because I had not seen him. And I'll set up a life. You live with your aunts for a year. I was like, all right, cool. 
And then eighth grade was the time I'm supposed to move. And eighth grade comes around. Oh, actually, we can't leave Paul hanging. Paul oh, followed no. my mom <laughs> to <laughs> the East Coast or the West Coast. He followed her and he drove down from Minnesota to California. And when you drive, you drive to Tornado Alley, which is Iowa, Kansas, like all those states in the middle. And he was robbing banks along the way while he was going to meet my mom in California and find her and do God knows what. Yeah. Um, and he eventually got arrested, I think, in Kansas. And now he's known as the Tornado Alley bank robber. If you Google that, you'll see Paul. Shut, uh, shut up, Dana. <laughs> Wild. Um, yeah. So that's what happened with Paul. Who knows? I think he's been released since then because my mom got a call from the jail like a few years ago. FYI, he's free. He might find you. But he hasn't tried, so who knows? But anyways, I didn't know Jills do those uh, courtesy calls. Yeah, I think it's because he was a. You kind of have to, in, like a threat. You're to her. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, um, yeah. I don't know. I just have so, no faith in the system. Yeah, fair, fair, absolutely. I agree, and that's also yeah. episode seven. When I come back, the hell yeah, time I come back, we can unpack jail and this. Is- hell yeah, yeah. <laughs> but oh, cut to eighth grade got to California. My mom had not set up a life for me. She had actually partied in Vegas for a full year. And um, I remember the summer between seventh and eighth grade, I moved out to California early summer. And we actually lived in a Vegas hotel room Mm -hmm. from June, July to August before we moved to California. Um, And this is like the memories here. I'm like going to the grocery store and like picking out items that you can only microwave because you don't have a stove Mm -hmm. in a hotel. So we lived in Vegas for the summer and then we needed to find a place to live so I could go to school in Orange County in um, the fall. And so every weekend, my mom would leave to Vegas in eighth grade and I had no family in Orange County, even though my biological dad lived there. He didn't really care to see me. He had a whole new family, whole new life. Ninth grade came, my mom would go for a week at a time to Vegas and people ask me, Dana, how'd you get to school? I biked um, in the eighth grade. Um, and then by ninth grade and 10th grade, I actually drove, drove. without my license um, yeah. because my mom had a car there. So I just drove it. She said, mm-hmm. you know how to do it. Um, and I do remember in ninth or 10th grade, I, it's hard. Um, I cried to my mom and I said, mom, why don't you stay home more? I like, I miss you. We moved here. I'm alone. Thank God for my first and last name because I made friends so fast because of it. They're like, oh, your name's Dana Dang. Like, I want to be your friend. And I <laughs> somehow made a bunch of friends. So I was fine. But I also cried to my mom because I wanted my mom. Mm-hmm. And she said, watch what happens when I stop working. She stopped working. And at this time, I still thought she was a cocktail waitress. Um she stopped working and we got evicted from the house we lived in. And then we moved into an extended stay, uh, like motel near the John Wayne airport. This was during the school year. And I'm not sure if our listeners are quite familiar with the city of Newport Beach. I'm like, I know exactly where that is. Yeah. <laughs> but it's very uh, wealthy town. Mm-hmm. Um, everyone very, who grew up wealthy. there had a lot of money. Um, and very white. Very white. Very Naturally. Wealthy. Yes. yes. And I lived in a motel and no one knew. Mm-hmm. It, it got to a point where 
I lived in this motel room. My aunts were visiting from Minnesota. They had tears in their eyes. I didn't understand because I was also a teenager. I was having friends. I had a boyfriend. I like, I was trying to have as normal of a life as I could. So I was always ignoring the bad. Mm-hmm. And then it got to a point where my mom's boyfriend at the time was like, okay, you know what? Like we should rent you a room because by ninth and 10th grade, my mom would go for a week at a time then two weeks at a time and by 11th and 12th grade she would go to Vegas a month at a time or in the senior year she lived there Mm -hmm. um so they rented me a room and it was a room with two other adults Josh and Kat Kat was a dental assistant uh Josh was a construction worker and I had the third bedroom and I was 16 years old basically my mom left me I was really mad at her I visited her in Vegas once saw she had a closet full of clothes, a really nice car. Like she was driving like a Range Rover. And I was like, what is happening? Um, and I lived in the motel and I was like, this is ass backwards. Fuck you, mom. So then I started being very sassy to my mom and they rented me the room and it ended fine with Kat, but Kat sat me aside at 16 years old and said, Hey Dana, I want you to know you're an awesome kid. However, um, I didn't sign up to raise a teenager. I signed up to rent out my room, which very valid point. So, um, very valid, but it's not the thing you say to the kid. It's the thing you say to the parent. Yeah. Yeah. My mom was like, fuck cat. (laughs) Just like projected on her. Um, Scott, my mom's boyfriend at the time got an apartment and rented it for me and um I lived there and he paid the rent um but then it got to the point where he asked my mom to stop working and so my mom was too afraid to ask him for money to provide for me the under 18 year old teenager um so I kind of got the short end of the stick and I would start babysitting and um do other things to make money I remember asking for $40 for my graduation cap and gown and it was a fight I was like, mom, I need $40. She's like, I can't ask him. I'm not working. And I'm like, I like, I'm trying to graduate. Um, and when I was 17 or 18, again, I'm sorry on the details. Um, are you kidding? Your memory for this amount of turbulence yeah. in a childhood is unprecedented. Oh, so. okay, that's good. Oh, yes. yeah. No, it, no, truly like usually with, you know, trauma and as a kid like you you black out you don't remember it so your your memory is impeccable keep going validation from meadow (laughs) (laughs) live for it i truly live for it i literally anytime you need valid please (laughs) it's my fucking pleasure are you kidding i mean i am in your room right now i know i can't wait for you to come back and sleep me too um but uh, where were we I don't even remember what I, where I left. Cap and gown. gown. You're oh, about to graduate gown, high school. I, I danced growing up. I started dancing in the ninth grade. Um, I was. What kind? Because uh, me too. Like hip hop, lyrical, all yeah! of it. Um, um, I never was put in sports as a young kid because my yeah. mom, like I just didn't, like everyone talks about like how they played soccer as a kid. I never had that. Yeah. And I didn't know you played sports. Like, mm-hmm. And I. I joined dance and learned how to dance because it was either that or PE at Hell yeah. high school, <laughs> in high school. And so I remember I was like, I need to dance. And so then I started. And let me tell you, like freshman year of high school, really rough. Some way, somehow, 
I was really driven and it was actually my form of therapy. Um, and I just butterflied into a dancer and, um, dance is so healing. Yeah, it really is. It is. uh, Dancing is like the most healing thing in the world. It absolutely is. I also need a sip of water. Same. Mm -hmm. Liquid break. Water break. Cheers to the blackout. Mm -hmm. I'm really not going to remember this episode until we listen back. (laughs) (laughs) We'll send it to you just to make sure you like it. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, dance. So as a dancer, you work out a lot. You're, Mm -hmm. You're late on a period, like starting it. And so I'm 18. And I'm like, I haven't had my period yet. What's wrong? I need to go to a doctor. Um, and I didn't think anything of it because, again, as a gymnast or a dancer, you start it late. Yeah. Um, I remember going to the primary care doctor, and I actually brought my best friend Raquel with me at the time. Because my mom obviously wasn't with me. And I was like, I'm scared. What's a doctor? And we went to the doctors, and she was going to do a pap smear. And I was like, okay, cool. She's down up in there. My legs are spread. Doctor's lights on me. And she's like, I can't get it up. And I go, what do you mean? She's like, I can't get the device up. And I was like, okay, like you're the doctor. Tell me what to do next. Mm -hmm. And she was like, no, I think you need to go to an OBGYN. I'm like, okay, sure. Dumb idiot doctor. Fine. (laughs) And that was just like me being scared. And so then I book an appointment with an OB and she looks down again at my vagina and was like, huh, okay. To me, it just looks like it's an imperforate hymen. And they did, I had to drink a bunch of liquids. They did an ultrasound and she was like, and we also can't find your uterus in this ultrasound. So like, we're just going to need to do a quick, like, uh, procedure and cut open your hymen and you're good to go. And I'm like, all right, nice. Let's do the procedure. By the way, like to have, I'm sorry to interrupt you in the middle of the story, but like to the fact that you're sitting through all of this at 18 years old and you're like, okay, yeah, go ahead, like do it. And (sighs) it's just, it's just unbelievable. Cause things, I mean, doctors are terrifying. And then especially as a woman, it's like, we're, it's very rare to find OBs that like actually tell us what's going on. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. like, it's all these words, like, that you don't really know what it means and like mm-hmm. you don't really know what the fuck is going on and you don't have a guardian they, they that's often translating do, for you know, or, yeah or like yeah. they often do these like frankly like invasive procedures mm-hmm. without you fully knowing, knowing what's happening yeah. what's happening oh, exactly and then guess what that's exactly what happened yeah. is they went into this procedure and I remember waking up and my mom was here because she was like ah, I gotta be there for a surgery um And I remember waking up and I was like, am I fixed? Like, I'm good, right? And that's when the doctor looked at me. And this is why I felt so much trust in her because she had been in the field for like 30 years. Like, she was Mm -hmm. an OG in Newport Beach, like Mm -hmm. in the avocado Mm -hmm. buildings, like this fancy doctor's place. And she looked at me when I woke up and was like, I don't know how to tell you this, but you don't have a uterus. And you also don't have a cervix because your uterus never formed. And, and she goes, so I couldn't cut open an imperfect hymen because you don't have one. And I was like, okay. Like what I, I, I sat with, okay, that's shitty news, mm-hmm. but what's the go forward? And that's always mm-hmm. been my mentality. What mm-hmm. then? All right, tell me what to do. And when I said that it was 
I've never seen this before. And as long as I've been in this industry or in OB stuff, mm-hmm. she's never seen it. And I was like, oh, fuck. She's somebody who's been in this field for so long and she's never seen this. I'm scared. Mm-hmm. And it got into a, this, the longest two weeks of my life where they were like, okay, we need to do blood tests to make sure you're a female. And like all this stuff, I'm like, my body's getting hot thinking about it. Yeah. And I remember just freaking out. I was like, I'm not a girl. Like wh- what, like mm-hmm. what's happening? Um, and it even got to the point, like I just, it was, I blacked out those two weeks and we did all the tests. We didn't know what was wrong with me until we actually started Googling things. And we finally found out what I have and it's called MRKH syndrome. And it's basically, there's horns that fuse together and form your uterus when you are um, in the womb. And so when your hearing develops also is when your reproductive system develops. And um, some way, somehow my hearing did develop and it's also your spine. My spine developed, my uterus, the horns never fused together, never made the uterus, never made the cervix. And I have MRKH where it's just the uterus, but there's other girls who have what I have who can't really hear and their spines are disformed because they're underdeveloped. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Anyways, we found out what it is. We found a doctor and they, oh, motherfuckers. Um, they, I can't, I don't want to name the doctors, but they fucking suck. Um, they were, I've had some shit doctors too. I'm like, fucking air them out, baby. Cause I, <laughs> yeah. They, yeah. they just, they want, they made money off of this, mm-hmm. unfortunately. And mm-hmm. they were the first at the top of the Google search when you search MRKH syndrome. Mm-hmm. And it's like, how do you fix it? Because it's mm-hmm. to me, I'm like, how do I fix this? And right. Cause that's always been your resiliency like pattern. It's like, okay, so now what? Yeah. So now what's the next step? Make the appointment. And so we made the appointment to see them and we didn't do anything further because it was tunnel vision to the Mm -hmm. solve versus Mm -hmm. looking around and looking for more answers. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so when we met with them, they were like, oh, okay. So actually the first thing I said is, oh, I can just get a uterus transplant. We're good. And they're like, excuse me, ma'am, that doesn't exist. And I was like, (laughs) okay, nice. Um, next step, um, how do I have sex? Mm-hmm. Um, there was no hole for that. And no such thing as TMI. The hole I had was like this, which you can't, you're listening. It's like two inches in. Mm-hmm. And so I actually in high school never really tried to have sex. Mm-hmm. Um, so it never was like a crazy, like an awkward moment. Thank mm-hmm. goodness. But mm-hmm. it has happened to other girls who have what I have. Um, but we made this appointment with this doctor. How do I fix this? I want to feel whole. I want to feel normal. Mm-hmm. Those are like key words that like, I just didn't feel when I was young. Mm-hmm. And we went to see the doctors and they were like, ah, easy. There's a procedure. We will make you a uh, whole for sex. And I was like, all right, nice. That was the answer. We did it. We had the surgery. And for all of you listening, basically the peritoneum is the sac that holds your organs and they pulled it down to the part where the hole for sex would be. They clipped it at the top, and now there's a hole. And it was a, um, it wasn't like I was dying surgery, not plastic surgery. What's the word? It was like a, oh, 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 reconstructive, reconstructive surgery. Yeah. Um, which by the way, is not covered by insurance. 
So mm. because of that, um, insurance didn't cover it. I even wrote a letter Fuck. and was like, uh, like they were like, well, you don't Weeks. have to have yeah. it. Yeah. And so they didn't cover it. And so then it got to the point where it was, and thank goodness, my mom's boyfriend at the time, it, it was a bummer though, was like, it's this or college. And I obviously chose that because I didn't feel whole. Um, and so surgery was slated for summer after I graduated. But um, while I was going through all of this my senior year, I I had always been like the straight A student, um, always went to school. I like was the most social because, again, I was escaping the reality of home mm-hmm. with friends and school. And um I lied a lot when I was young also. I forgot to mention that, the, of where my mom was. And so growing up in Newport Beach, I, of course, lied. I didn't. I knew my mom was a cocktail waitress. At least that's what I thought she was. Um, and But I would lie and be like, oh, she's traveling. She's a real estate agent. Like, she, she does commercial real estate. That's the line my mom told me to say, and I said it. And so I I lied a lot, which is another thing I can unpack of, like, then I started lying about other things because I was so insecure about my own home life. Basically, I just stopped going to school senior year. And, and this has nothing to do with the lying. I just had to say it so I remember to unpack it later. Um, and I have compartments here above my head that you exactly. can't see. It's called a mind yeah. palace. Yeah. <laughs> you can't yeah, see yeah, it, yeah, but yeah, I'm yes. organizing my conversation. I right. am. I have to plan. We all do it. No, that's why I laughed. Cause I was like, feel that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Understood. Uh-huh. Yes. Um, and that's real recognize real. <laughs> it does. And, and when you were like, oh, let's just go into this podcast, like blind. I'm like, all right, fine. I have a mind palace. Exactly. I this. Matt, try me. <laughs> <laughs> fine um but yeah so senior year I stopped going to school I, I was a very good student and then I turned into a bad student and you know I didn't recognize that was depression mm. um when I did you when did too. you yeah when did you recognize that that was depression when my mom triggered me mm. <laughs> which was um, I think it was also a Google search. It was like, I, I had no will to go anywhere. I had no will to yeah. live. Like I was a Lack nanny. of everything almost. Just everything. Yeah. I was alone. Yeah. And then I chose to be a nanny in high school because I loved kids so much. So I'm reeling on the fact that I can't have kids. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. At least I can't be pregnant. I have eggs. By the way, everyone has eggs. I'm, I'm going to, this is why I work so hard. I'm going to have a surrogate, um, do IVF, mm-hmm. all of that. But Basically, I I just I started binge watching Netflix shows as a way to escape my reality and go into that one. And it would be like 16 hours straight. Mm-hmm. I stopped going to dance. I stopped going to school. And it got to the point where one day my mom was like, Dana, your school called me because we don't live together. She lives in Vegas. Mm-hmm. And she said, Dana, your school called me. Stop being lazy. Mm-hmm. Trigger word. Um, go to school. And I didn't, I don't think I said anything to her. I was like, okay. And I just wasn't listening because I was just such like a shell of a human. Yeah. But then I'm like, on the other hand, I'm like, if you were here physically, you would see that I'm You depressed. would know what's happening. Right. Yes. Right. And yeah. so I, it got to the point where I literally, I barely graduated. I 
C's, C's get degrees, um, C's you pass school and, um, that's my mom's favorite joke. <laughs> you really do know you get your diploma. Mm-hmm. Um, and I went to, I think, let's say there's 500 classes in a whole school year. I went to 251 of 500. If I had gone to one less class, I would not have graduated. Wow. Yeah. Wait, I got that same letter senior year of high school. I got, I well, every year I got a letter, if you continue to miss school, we'll keep you out. And then senior year, it was like, you literally won't graduate if you don't come. I got the same letter. Yep. Uh-huh. Got that. I wasn't a skipper. I was just a, I was a, I don't wear the uniform. We didn't have a uniform. We had a dress code. <laughs> That was Gabby's entire personality. So the, yeah. Oh, I, I wasn't, I skipped. Mine was, I'm not going to wear this. That was the funniest one. Gabby, you just like, went to so school you. not the uniform? Well, like we didn't have a uniform. It was a dress code. Like we had to wear like. Yeah. My mom really wouldn't sign my dress code. This is really unimportant. But like, I just remember one day, like towards <laughs> like the end of senior year. And I'd show up in like a sweater. And it was like those like little Brandy Melville sweaters that were really trendy, like without a bra. And like I felt so cool, whatever. Yes. I remember one time like the dean who I was like – I had a good relationship with, he pulled me aside and he was like – I was just wondering like by the end of the year, are you ever going to wear the uniform? And I was like, mm, probably not. And he was like, mm, that's what I thought. All right. Go go, go <laughs> with right, God. Then. And I was like, all right, great. <laughs> anyway. Anyway, it's just so our personalities in a nutshell. Gets, it's not even yeah, funny. Yeah. yeah. so much. Uh-huh. I understand yeah. so much more too now. <laughs> Thank you. Happy. Okay. Uh, keep rolling. Keep rolling. Um, keep rolling. Rolling through. Where are we? I don't know where I left off. I told you I'm in the middle of the black. You're barely graduating. <laughs> in the middle. Of you're, you you made to to 251 classes. Uh, yes, barely yeah. graduating. Um, mom doesn't know that I'm depressed. I don't know that I'm depressed. I yeah. again, I thought I was being lazy. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. because my mom said, "Why are you being lazy? Go to school." And I'm like, oh, "Okay, I'll go to school," but it was just. Yeah. One day at a time. And it's so funny just looking back though, like I know the friends I made, their parents knew exactly what was going on. And like I'm now understanding when like a friend Grace, her parents were like, Do you wanna like come over and do like college applications with us or like tutoring or anything? And I was like, We go to college after high school? Like shit like that, I did not know. Mm-hmm. And I had no plan. How could you? How could I know? How could you? Like, Raquel's parents were like, do you want to come over for dinner? Do you want to have a sleepover? Like, they would feed me. I didn't know. Um, And it was like, it was fun. When in sophomore year, I had all the parties. Uh, Junior year, I turned into grandma of Newport Beach. Senior year, you know, when I was dead to the world. Um, But I don't know. Just looking back, it's so, like, up and down, topsy-turvy. But... All in all, I graduated. Um, I got the procedure a month after high school graduation, and I knew that I had no funds for college. So um, I, because my mom also said, Dana, I'm going to put you through college. So I never thought about that until, mm-hmm. oh, she has a boyfriend and she's too afraid to ask him for money. So now no one's putting me through college. And so it was either like take loans out or go to a community college, which to me was so like, unfair to the world because all I wanted was like just like the normal kid experience like go to college like live in a dorm 
so mm-hmm. silly, but like all I wanted to do is live in a dorm. It's not silly. It's not silly at all. Not when you've been deprived of every other normal <sighs> fucking childhood aspect ever. Yes. Like, it was your chance. Yeah. I wanted it so badly. I could cry right now. Um, and you know what? I might cry. Who knows? Um, I'll hold space for you. Thank you. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I, I wanted it so badly and I was so angry at the world because I was like one thing after another, after another with my life. And I would just be so mad. And then eventually I just sucked it up and decided, okay, I'm going to go to Santa Monica college because also curveball a month after my surgery, uh, my mom and her boyfriend Scott at the time were like, we're moving to Hong Kong for five years. Good luck. <laughs> and I was like, huh? Um, and his company brought him over there and they were moving there. And, you know, I actually wasn't welcome, which was a whole other fight we had. My mom and I, because I was like, you didn't even ask me. And she was like, well, you wanted to go to college. And I was like, yeah, I wanted to go to college when it was the experience, but now it's not. So, yeah, they moved to Hong Kong. They gave me $500 a month. Um, to like start my life in LA, and you know they thought that was enough. What brought you to LA? Like, it's uh, not even half of rent. No, what brought me to LA was all right. I fucked up senior year. I um just didn't go to school. My GPA went down. I looked. I googled best community colleges in California and Santa Monica College. Santa Monica, up. yeah went and decided to go there and um some way somehow because my grades were good enough um I was on FAFSA where they mm-hmm. paid for everything FAFSA. I was on that yeah yeah and they yeah. paid for the first two years of school and and that was the time where I was like I'm going to transfer to USC or UCLA because that's where everyone goes and that like I'm going to get part of the dream like mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, I'm not going to get the dream ideology life I wanted, but I can get there. And so I was like, I'll transfer out of Santa Monica College and go to the other schools. That's your brain doing, okay, what's the next step? Okay, what's the next step? Like, that's your pattern. Yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh, my patterns are, that's maybe a healthy one. Um, other it's ones resilient as fuck. Yeah. Fuck. Um, yeah. yeah. So then we not we, me, I moved to LA and my aunt actually from Minnesota, Susie, love her. She moved from Minnesota to LA to be closer to me because she goes, you know what, what's, what happened with your mom was fucked up, but also it's even more fucked up for her now to leave you after all of this you just went through with learning about MRK syndrome and all of that. She quit her job and moved to LA and she was my roommate, my first roommate. Wow. Um, and she charged me $500 for rent. Um, and so it was perfect because the 500 that I was getting from my mom and Scott went to rent. School was paid for by the city. Hi, Aaron. <laughs> Dana says, hi, Aaron. <laughs> I heard the little, he the said, little time. He said, hi, Miss Dana. Wait, he'll come say hi. Hold on. Sorry, please, everyone. Please. <gasps> hi. Hello. She's hi. in our room. Oh, I know. <laughs> do you hear him? I, I kind of do. I think he said he missed me. I'm going to go out to hearing. Okay. Yeah. Yes. He said, I yeah, miss yeah, you, yeah, Miss yeah, Dana. Yeah. Come back. Come <laughs> hang out with us, please. We're, we're going to come so soon. It's not even funny. Yes, please. Yeah. Okay. Blacked out. Where was I? 
you're you're living with Aunt Susie, making five hundred, yes, trying to transfer. You're giving yes. her the five hundred, yeah. I'm giving her the five hundred for rent. I'm broke, like I broke even there. I'm trans, like school's being paid for by the city. I'm like, okay, now if I have a job, that's the money I will have for life, I guess. Um, so again, it's kind of paycheck to paycheck, but I decided to be a nanny. Some way, somehow, became like the go-to Silver Lake Echo Park nanny. And I nannied for lots of celebrities somehow um, and Get built like, my own little nanny business. I and didn't that- know that about you. I didn't yes. know that part of your story. How cool. Oh my gosh. Yes. I basically, little business Dana, who knew? I know. Um, I was like, this is, this is the roots of the entrepreneur, <laughs> entrepreneurial genius. All of it. I was nannying for one family and I'm not going to lie. I got sick of the kid. I saw the kid mm. every day. I'm like, Fair. Ugh, Everett. Sorry if you're listening, Everett. Um, <laughs> Everett. Like, That's the most Silver Lake name I've ever heard. Of, and kid, my name is Betalark, okay? Yeah. Sounds annoying. Everett. Um, oh, buddy. I saw him every day. And I oh, just, buddy. Same shit, different day. And I was like, ah, I love kids, but I don't have like, like the But spark. I hate Everett. Yeah. I'm yeah. like, oh, every day I got to go see Everett. So then I figured a way out where the preschool Everett went to. Um, had a bunch of families at it. And I was like, all these families, they do something called freelance. And I don't know what that is. I have no idea. <laughs> but they all didn't need a full-time nanny. They all needed a part-time like nanny babysitter mm. here and there. So I did my networking and I built myself a full-time work schedule, nannying for oh, different yeah. families every day. She built a roster. I built she my built roster. a roster. <laughs> she built a roster. I did. Wow. I did do that. And so then that way, like I was going to school while I was doing this. And so during the day it was with the kids. At night I would go to school. And if I had finals, I would say, Hey, I'm taking the next two weeks off because I have finals. Mm-hmm. Guess what? No family cared. They were like, All right, nice. Because they like, depend on me like mm-hmm. a full time nanny. Mm-hmm. Loved it. Um didn't make enough money doing that Monday through Friday. So on the weekends, I picked up a job as an assistant for a celebrity hairstylist who will not be named. Um, but fuck her. Yeah. We don't like her. She yeah. told me I was a sociopath and um, also to get hit by a car. And she's probably mm-hmm. listening to this episode because I see I hope you. she does. Yeah. I, I hope see, she does. Yeah. I see her looking at my stories to this day and we mm-hmm. broke up years and years and years ago so you're probably listening because at least actually i hope you're not listening and i hope you don't think about me because no because <laughs> honestly that would just yeah, be but, sad yeah. yeah but who could forget about dana ding exactly <sighs> that's true um but yeah so that's kind of like my path to la i guess i could patch it up to where i am today or not i don't know what do you want no i want us to uh, yeah but then okay i mean obviously <laughs> let's take we, a moment we, Let's take a beat. There's so much to unpack. We we everyone's gonna know in the beginning what you do because we're gonna give the whole Got the it. whole intro. But I need you to know that when Meadow and I were thinking about what we wanted to talk to you about, because obviously we were like, Dana's gonna come on the podcast. We fucking adore Dana. She's gonna talk, and it, we're just gonna bounce off of everything she says. But we both were like, the word that came to mind immediately, and Meadow was like, I can't believe you said that because that's what I've been thinking too. Is the word <sighs> resilient? Mm-hmm. And like you truly are probably the most resilient word. human being that I fucking know and that I've ever been blessed to meet. And there, with this. there are just Please so do. many ways that like your life could have 
gone. And there's Mm -hmm. so many ways that as a child, like you are blameless in it, but your life still could have gone a million and one directions. And the fact that what Meadow has been saying this whole episode is that you've always been like, okay, to the next, okay, great, to the next, to the next, to the next, to the next, to get you to where you are. Even the fact that you're sitting there being like, I work so hard because I'm going to do IVF and that costs a fuckload of money and that's whatever. It's like you're constantly thinking of like the betterment of not only the people around you, but of yourself and of your life and how to get yourself to a place that you want to be in. And it's just, it's so. Despite what your current circumstances are. Despite what your current circumstances are. And we just have, we have a lot of questions around that because I think that aside from how um, valuable and inspiring your story is, you, you have such beautiful insight and advice that you can give to the listeners and the world. Cause I know Meadow and I, like every time we leave a room with you, we're like, we feel so replenished and like new people mm-hmm. <laughs> with like motivation. Yay. Um, I'm really happy. I can leave that effect on you both. And like, I, but I guess once you just said that right now, when you were like on to the next, the resilience, it did like a little light bulb popped up. And I was like, is that because I run? Like, is that like, is it healthy for that to be like my will, if that makes sense? Like, because mm-hmm. a lot of these moments, like, and unfortunately, the truth was, it's like, I had no will to live. Mm-hmm. And so is it like, and maybe like, I don't know, like, is it me forming that path forward? Or like, okay, that's what we're going to do then? Is that what's keeping me alive? Like, or and like, this is things I work in through therapy of like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. if there is no path, what is left of me? Mm-hmm. And I'm just realizing that right now. <laughs> like, oh, fuck. I mean, Meadow, no, but you, it's, no, but you, it's, it's choosing the or, like how you always say, yeah. Meadow. Exactly. I, I, this was, this has been like my speech for a while. I can't believe you and I haven't talked about this of all people, <gasps> but my, like through my childhood family trauma, I did a similar thing was just like, let me dive into the high school experience. Let me dive into my boyfriend. Let me just like separate, like sleep at someone else's house. I did the very, very similar coping. Mm-hmm. And then in that same moving forward sense, the way that I like verbalized it to myself was, okay, well, I can deal with this hard thing and like feel nothing and feel that depression or anxiety or whatever way that showed up or, and then the second my brain went, or I was like, I don't care what the, or looks like. If it's not this, I'm choosing that. Mm -hmm. And I'm just going to go that way. Cause at least there's a different option. Yeah. So I don't know what it looks like. I don't know where it's going to be. I don't have to know what it's going to look like, but if Mm -hmm. it's not that I'm going to choose it. And that's like, that's how I verbalize that. It's to me, I just called it like naive optimism. (laughs) For you, it feels like true resiliency. Yeah. Okay. Because I was like, oh my gosh, I feel like a faker when you like, I'm taking resilience in it, but I'm also like, do I deserve the word resilience? Because I was running. Like it's, I'm running. But that's survival. That is resilience. That's literally choosing the path of not dying by suicide. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's choosing that other path. That's real shit. That is real resiliency. Okay. But that helps. I was like, but here's okay. So let me just, because we have so many similarities, please don't let me project this on you, but just tell me if you have felt similarly. I, with Anna Maria, our psychic intuitive, we talk about fucking constantly. (laughs) She's been really telling me that I'm trying very hard to hold on to like an old identity of this like warrior self and like the girl that survived all that shit Mm -hmm. and how 
I, I need to like really reconcile with all that. Although that's exactly what saved me and that's what I needed. You have to thank that side of you and let it go. Cause it's not your reality and you're not going to move to the next part without mm-hmm. doing that. And so I'm wondering how that process has looked. Have you felt that? How does that look like for you? Because I'm trying to be the, my gentle, cute, wear dresses, feminine self, but you you really, it's hard to hold on to that identity of what helped it you survive. It, it's, or oh let go gosh. of that identity, I should say. It's been a reckoning. Uh-huh. It's a reckoning, truly. It, because it was, it was what made each next step of my life, like what the, each step was. And mm. now I'm at this point where I'm so grateful where my life, like what it looks like and the life I have built today. But now I am absolutely having identity issues. And it, and I think that what I've kind of tried to turn it into, because I'm also a huge person, like an an advocate for like, oh no, my train of thought just went away. Find it, find it, find it in the finding towers. to me all the time. Um, you're. What are you a huge advocate oh, for? Okay, I'm a. Wow. I watched the choo choo train go away. But <laughs> the blackout is catching up in real time. <laughs> but uh, it keeps coming back. Coping. Uh, um. Oh, I. When people become victims of their own circumstances, I have mm. no sympathy for it. Which is, I now am trying to not because it went polar opposite. I was like. I am not a victim of my own circumstance. And I was proud of that. That was so tied to ego because I was able to not, I was like, I'm able to rewrite my story, which I think is admirable. I don't think it's admirable if that is who I preach to always be and like look down on others who um, become victims of their own circumstances. Because what is that? Lazy. Lazy or like insanity and like things like that, like the definition of insanity. And so it it right now actually it's been like this year and last year where I'm realizing, okay, yeah, I get it, Dana. You're not a victim of your own circumstances. Good fucking job. You're a live kid. And <laughs> <laughs> now the real like, self talk. Yeah, just like you made it. Um mm-hmm. and now it kind of I was like, Okay, then who am I? And like what mm-hmm. do I wanna be? And like mm-hmm. what effect do I want to leave on my friends? Because I don't need to drag all the shit I've been through into my present day because let me tell you, like everything I've gone through, I would 100% go through again because I fucking love who I am. I love who I've become. I love everything I've learned. And, um, I like, I don't know. I like me. And so we like you too. <laughs> we love you. And like, I'm really working on like trying to like say that out loud. Like I like right. me and things like that because I've always been like, oh, you're so vain. Like as a kid, mm-hmm. I was told that. Mm-hmm. Um, so working on that. So I said it on a podcast. Good job. Yeah. So proud of um, you. So I like me, but then I'm like, okay, what, what's next? Like how, mm-hmm. <laughs> there it is. Where's how, the next step? Where's the next step? And like, how, how do I not tie in my past with what I do today? And like, that is a big part of like how I run my company, but also like how I show up as a friend to like mm-hmm. you two, two of my dearest friends. Like what can I do like at my core? How can I help enrich your life? Because fuck, who knows if I die today, like I want like you and all my friends to think like Dana, like loved me. Like, cause I love you guys. And like, Friends turn into family because that's just what happens when you yeah. don't have parents growing up or 
even like close family and all of that. You so, make your own family. You make your own family. And then I'm like, how can I show up for everyone in my life? And so. Well, do you ever ask for help? <laughs> <laughs> she laughed. Oh, that's a struggle. Um, I, it's so silly because I feel so confident when I help you all and like other friends. But when it comes to me, I'm like, But don't rob us of the opportunity to feel confident if we can support you. Like, what if we want to think about it if we're being selfish? Like, what if we want to help you too? Yeah. But I guess, and it's something I'm working in therapy is the whole self-love thing of like, I don't know why I still feel like I'm not worthy. And it's Mm. bad. I'm like, I'm not worthy of your help. I don't know why. Because you had (laughs) adults that didn't help teach you that and reinstill that and you when you're a child you depend on an adult for survival like yeah okay you're right of course it's right (laughs) put it on a stress ball ball. but it's also like you yeah you didn't even have the opportunity to think about self we i talk i just fucking preach about maslow's hierarchy of needs all the time on here and if you you barely had any safety and security how are you supposed to figure out how to love yourself that's true how did no, you have the energy? Which is yeah. actually quite literally one of the questions I wrote down for you is, did you have any, I guess, tips or advice or perspective on folks that want to grow and like want to get to that place and try to better themselves, but are still living in like a fight or flight or unsafe mm. or unstable situation? Whoa. What That's a, a great question. What a question. Ah, gosh. For the people who are still in this fight or flight situation I, I the immediate thing and everything that like I've worked through has to do with time is for you to know that this will end at some point mm-hmm. like it will stop um mm-hmm. there will be a point of shift and gosh like to me immediately I'm like hold on like there's so mm-hmm. much more to life because that like I go straight to this dark place and I'm a firm believer like bright people who like present so bright are this bright because they've seen the opposite which is like mm-hmm. deep darkness and so like to me I'm like hold on don't go into the darkness and mm-hmm. there's so much more to life than what's happening to you right now and do what you can to get out of the situation you're in mentally physically etc safely mm-hmm. but don't feel rushed to do it um, I don't know no, I, I love really that so much there. because I have a family member that's like going through a deep bout of depression right now and they have cyclically throughout their life. Mm-hmm. And one of the first things that I always come back to is that same message of in the same way you haven't always felt this, like you can look at an old photo and see yourself smile and remember a happy memory. Like in the same way, this hasn't always existed. It yep. will not always exist, even though it feels so all consuming right now that you can't see past that. Yep. All you, you like, it's the night the the, I don't know, just a nice thing to do for your mind is like, think about a time that it hasn't and know that life is patterns and yes. like cycles and nature and mm-hmm. like everything ends and restarts and like, it does. And even it, like it, this will end. This will end. And also if you're listening to this podcast and you are hearing this advice, you already right now can recognize, okay, I am in this dark moment, but that's the first step to come out of it is like, exactly. hear this yeah. conversation exactly. or have somebody like Meadow in your life who is like, look at that photo of you smiling. Like just that one, just that one mm-hmm. little tiny speck mm-hmm. will pull you out. It is the first mm-hmm. step. Mm-hmm. It is. Because once you feel one speck, you just ask it to grow a little bit, a little bit more. And then you want it to grow because you feel it and it feels good. So you chase oh, it. That's true. I, I worked through that in therapy of like, 
I'm now able to recognize when I'm standing right above a dark hole or if, you know what, I fell in the hole, but I'm, I'm talking about it in therapy or I'm talking about it with a friend. And so I will get out of that hole. Uh, but before I had no idea what that the hole existed or that I was yeah. ever in one. Or that you could ask for help to get out of it. <laughs> yeah. 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 Which by the way, well, two things, by the way, is it's like, I mean, it doesn't shock me that you rarely ask for help, but like you were right. just such a person of community. Like all Dana does for people listening yes, is literally exactly. just bring exactly. people together. Yeah. Like it's all you do. Uh, it's literally all you do. Way. Or try to like bring people together, whether that's physically, digitally, like all you try to do is empower communities. Like yes. that is your ethos to us. Keep uh, going, Gabby. Yeah. That no, that, that's, I was just going to say, it's just interesting to think about because it's like literally community building, which by the way, it makes so much sense that it's part of what you do because it's what you lacked growing up yep. yeah. and like uh, you built it for yourself. Well, I've also heard you say, cause I've listened to the other podcast you were on, obviously, where you called yourself a product of community too. Mm-hmm. And you were talking about like how I was raised and my survival was a product of community. So yeah, that you built, that yeah, makes you so built much your sense own for community. How you know how to, exactly. Mm-hmm. For how you know like how you've to been do it doing this since you were a child, like literally yeah. naturally, of course, it's going to end up being what you do because you've been doing right. it as when you were a kid. Right? I'm still in shock that you listened. <laughs> <laughs> I do I'm real journalism, baby. Yeah, I, I do my research. Your thoughts may vary. I, I know, <laughs> yeah. but I'm like, wow, like I, it's, it's down to the moment, and it's so silly. It's like I'm on this episode, and I there is things I can help with, but there's things I'm also going through. Of like wow, you listened, like, wow, like, you care, right. or like, I matter, like, yeah. it, things I'm learning, so. Yeah, yeah, hey, <laughs> things are all learning. process, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's, things it's are all seriously learning. Okay, right. I'm gonna do a harsh shift. Let's fucking do it. Because, well, I guess not so harsh, because we're talking about how all of this life experience and community led you to literally building communities, but in that other podcast, you talk about how it's like one step at a time. Like you went for working for other people to you're mm-hmm. like, you know what? I can do this for myself. Okay. Let me go one client after another, mm-hmm. but to get, I want to get super specific and granular with you because I feel like that's all the advice that I come to you for is like, <laughs> okay, so oh my God, what's Dana, the first thing so I do is write a pitch steps. email. Okay. Write it for me. Like you are yeah. so good. We were just speaking about you the other day and how you're so good about, um, like big picture goals and like mm-hmm. where you want to be and disseminating it down into mm-hmm. the daily tasks and operations. So for maybe people that want to start doing their own thing or owning their own, like where the fuck do you start? Like, yeah. da- like <laughs> daily practice, what should I be doing? I mean, it's, uh, Meadow, I think you said this to me last week or two weeks ago when you said you're like, Gabby and I were talking about this and it was like, Gabby pulled up a great point that Dana's really good at looking at the big picture and disseminating Mm -hmm. it into daily duties. And I was Mm -hmm. like, I didn't know I was capable of it. Yeah, you're incredible at it. But but let me tell you, I've brought you both up every single day at work now because of that one comment. It's like been distilled across like my company and like what I'm teaching the people who work for me to work on and things like that. And Mm -hmm. I was doing like quarterly and monthly reviews yesterday, actually. And again, I brought you both up. And there was a moment where I was talking with a gal who I'm not going to name because I don't know if it's legal to say who I like. (laughs) Because let me tell you also, owning a company, like, I don't know what I'm doing, but I also do know what I'm doing. So I'm just going to not say her name, but she is wonderful. I love her. She's on my team. I'm so lucky to have her. And 
the first skill I teach anyone who works for me is how do you manage yourself? So it's like, how are you time managing? How are you making sure your to-do list items are done? And like, how, like, are you managing yourself? And then once they become experts in that, guess what? You get a fucking promotion. Um, and because if you can do your job and manage yep. yourself, you're good. Um, then it goes into kind of what you and Gabby were saying of like, okay, the next skill I want you to work on is understanding strategy and like, the why of why we do everything. And so as I was talking to the team and I was also interviewing people to hire for another client, it it's clear to me, oh, I didn't know I had this superpower that Meadow and Gabby recognized where I look at something at the big picture and I can distill it day to day. And that's a skill not many people have. And I go, holy oh, shit, no, I didn't know. dude. It is fucking rare. And you do it so naturally. Seamlessly. Yeah. So naturally. Okay. Well, I didn't know. And I had no idea. And now I flagged it. Real shit, Everyone who's like finally like ready for the next step. I go, okay, now I want you to pay attention to how we are looking at things from the big picture. And of course, like we work in like social and influencer. Um, And so we're looking at things from the big picture. But then how does that distill into what we do every single day to complement what the strategy is. And the strategy, everyone, for social and influencer marketing is, what does the space look like today? What does the audience want? How do you tie it together? And then you meet that with like an algorithm. And that is... The magic formula. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yes. And so now everyone on my team knows like that's something they need to look at. And I don't tell them, I'm like, we don't post just to post. Like there, there's a reason we do everything. And I started like, even in this review yesterday with one of my team members, I started to like have like this sort of breakdown because I was like, I don't want to become one of those agencies where everyone burns out. Everyone Mm -hmm. works to the bone Mm -hmm. and they Mm -hmm. are burnt out and they're unhappy. I go, that is not this company. Mm -hmm. And my company is we move with intention. There's a reason for everything. What is the value here for the community? What is the value here for the brand? And like, and that is how, that is honestly the secret sauce on how to distill everything from the big picture to the day-to-day things is keeping true to the core value or the mission or the why of you doing something, it will reflect. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of how you call. And I think that's how I accidentally have this skill is because I really care about the core of the why. And then if you follow through with the core of the why, you you master that. Skill. Everything else, yeah, falls, falls. into place. Yeah. 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 I can't remember his name, the name of the guy that has this TED talk. I'll we'll find it and we'll put in the link. Um we'll put it in the show notes. But it's this really famous TED talk and the guy was explaining why Apple like became so important. And he basically was explaining that concept that like people don't buy they don't buy your product, they buy your why. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And like that's applicable to literally, yeah, any industry. That right. it, it's very true. And like, let me tell you, every new client meeting I take, if I want it, I get them. <laughs> it's just very and and it's not because of skill. I and I realized because it's because of like me and the reason my team works on things. And like, I go straight into a pitch meeting and this is for all of you who do want to start businesses or like pitch clients. It's like, tell them the why, like be human about it. And Mm. for me, absolutely. Like I tell them, I go, okay, social media, 
it fucking sucks. Like it is, it is a phone and it is what we have to do to reach other people. And, and I go, so let's flip that on the other side, social media. It's fucking cool. You can talk to somebody in LA and India in a second, Mm -hmm. harness the power of social then in that way and look at it in that way, connect the communities. And Mm -hmm. I always tell them I'm not here. I went to school for finance. Everyone um, ended up in marketing. Um, I kind of fused like my data brain with like creative from dancing and now I'm in social. Um, But I call it my superpower because I'm creative and I can deal with numbers. And so now I go, I don't use my superpower on bad. I will never, ever work with a brand that's going to sell tea to make you skinny. Like, yep. fuck no. Mm-hmm. And I will also never work with hundreds of clients at the same time. I o- I'm very picky about the brands I work with. And I want to work with brands who, and I'm lucky I've gotten to this place where they have wonderful missions, but they actually take action on their mission. And so if they're taking action on their mission, guess what? I fucking want to help you mm-hmm. grow your platform and use my superpower on you. And usually from there, that's when the client's like, all right, yep. And it holds them accountable, not only just to like actually do their mission and mm-hmm, that right. they work together and walk their walk, something good. And this is yeah. why I also secretly want to get Meadow into every client <clears throat> I have on. Literally. I need them. <laughs> so please do. Yep. Yep. But wait, um, this is, this reminds me of what we were, you were sharing with me when we were leaving the diner last time I saw you, which I've thought about every day since, cause it blew my mind is how you, another way in which you do that is you purposefully don't advertise like all your big flashy clients because you've literally worked way, with I like the know. best of the best. Yeah. I didn't know that you did that. You didn't do that. Oh yeah. I... And how you don't do that so that clients sign up for you mm-hmm. and not for the flat. Can you say more things yes, on that please? I yeah. can talk about that. So I work with really fun brands that I love and Ding. I'll, like, if you know me, you know, I work with them type of thing. Yeah. If you follow me on social, but like usually other clients like on my website, no other clients are anywhere to be found. Mm-hmm. Um, but basically, I don't go into any new meetings with potential clients with them knowing who my other clients are because I truly, at the core, want them to sign up and work with me for me and like just trust that I have the tools and I have the heart and the drive to take them to where they want to be. And like I will listen to them. And then usually they'll sign with me and then it's an afterthought that like, oh, fuck, Dana works with so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so. And then it's a part. But then how do you, but then how do you, Yeah. okay, but okay. Cause I was literally just talking about this, something similar with my mom. Like this makes sense to me, but then how do you, how do you get the big names? Yourself? How do you sell yourself? Yeah. How yeah. do you get Cause yeah. if, if you don't like what, what's like the portfolio that you show? Um, it would be based on. We'd usually they'll ask for like case studies and I'll say like so-and-so brand, like keep it vague and I'll put the numbers so I can put the data points. So they know like some of the followings are big. You could call it like a makeup brand. You could call it a brand. Got it. Okay. Yeah. 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 If it were flipped and they signed to work with me because uh, fuck it, I'll name drop Playboy was a client mm-hmm. then, and they signed with me because of that, then I can only go downhill from there. Because they have high expectations. I don't like to overpromise, underdeliver. So I'm like, hey, this is me. Sign with me. Sign with mm-hmm. me. Oh, she actually knows what she's doing. 
Yeah. And other people trust her. Um, but yeah, I keep it vague in case studies or also a lot of the time, sometimes I know one client because, um, like a client will refer them to me. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, because I've also never advertised my services. It's all been word of mouth some way, somehow. Yeah. Not your work Sam speaks for you. Yourself. <laughs> yeah. Do you have any other like specific strategies for how you, cause I think you're very good at like quickly understanding whether or not like a brand is a red flag or a green flag for you mm-hmm. and like mm-hmm. who you want to work with before you get into a contract and like shoot yourself in the foot. Mm-hmm. What else are you like looking out for? Like, how are you approaching it to look for that, those signs for yourself? You're like, do you look out for the red flags more or the green flags more or both? Yeah, uh, it's both. It's kind of, and unfortunately it's like, what's the value here? What do I get out of this? What do they get yeah. out of this? Is this worth the return on on investment, the ROI? Love that. Uh, girl bossing. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's really, it's the personality of the people you work with. It's how big is the company? If it's a small company, you can assume and bet your ass that the CEO, the CMO, everyone on the team has a say. And to mm-hmm. me, that is a red flag, but it doesn't mean I'm not going to work with them. Mm-hmm. Because red flag there is, am I going to be able to do what I can do? Or is everyone going to put their opinion in and I'm just going to be swimming You're going to micromanage. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. And it's mm-hmm. it's gotten to that point with actually an old client I had where I had to sit them down and say, everyone here has an opinion and you are paying me a lot of money. And I don't feel good taking this money because I am not performing at what I can do for you. Mm-hmm. That said, I think we need to reconsider this contract. And you know what? We we ended the contract. I'm not going to take a brand's money if they're not going to listen to me. Mm -hmm. Um, Because it's also, it's not why I'm here. Like, I'm not here to make money. At my core, I want to help grow platforms that, like, they'll use their voice for the greater good. Like, they will help inspire young teens or, like, animals. Like, whatever their mission is, it's like, that is why I do this. And you know what happens? My mentor <sighs> has said this to me and I'll always repeat it to my dying day. The money follows the movement. Yeah. Yes. You stick with that why and you stick with that purpose and the money follows it anyway. It, so It fucking does. Let me tell you, I was living paycheck to paycheck up until like a few years ago and some way, somehow, like my company like has tripled and now I think we're going to double or triple again this year. And that's my girl. And I'm so excited, but I'm also like, holy shit, like, do I deserve this or think like and again right. back to the self worth bullshit? Yep, 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 yep. yep. <laughs> Always sneaks its way back in there. It yeah. does, but <sighs> it's fine. I I'm also grateful because I know I work fucking hard. So then it's because then it's also like offensive to be like I don't know how I got here. Um, because some people work really hard and they don't get yeah. there. And so then, mm-hmm. but then I also overanalyze and overthink. I'm like, am I offending someone because I'm happy? Should I be sad? Should I be happy? Like. We are literally never going. Meadow and I talk about this a lot. Like mm-hmm. even the other day, I was like, I had Meadow proofread something for something that I'm working on, and she was like, mm, we might need a caveat. And then she was like, actually, you know what? Leave it because like you're not always going to please everyone. And like, yeah, it, we're. I'm sorry, we're not just, meant to be for everyone. No. Like not that's just for everyone yeah. and people. I don't think I've ever said this on the podcast. People are so fucking sensitive these days. <laughs> yeah, I'm just like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Grow up. Grow like grow up, up. Yeah. or also this has nothing to do with you why yeah. are you making this about yes. you don't be offended yeah it's not about you <laughs> it's not your plate it's literally not about you, it's not about you. I, that's it 
No. <laughs> not everything is a battle. Not everything no. is a battle. Not everything is with bad intention. Like if Dana no. wants to be fucking happy and sit here on this podcast and say, I don't know how I got to where I am, even though she works her fucking ass off, she <laughs> yes. can. Yes. And I that's yours did. to unpack. Exactly. <laughs> God. You're not wrong, either of you. Okay. Well, first of all, I've I've one that I just wanted uh you're you're the best person in the entire planet and I'm so in love and obsessed with you. And thank you for everything you shared. I do have one last question that I'm dying to get to. Do you, cause I've never asked you this and I was like, this is, this is such a good Dana question because it kind of ties in everything we've said. Do you think that brands have a, an (laughs) obligation to speak on moral and political issues? Yes. Wow. And I mean it in the most generalizing way possible. Mm -hmm. I would say. Do they have a moral obligation? On political or what did you say? Like moral or political because recently they've felt very tied felt, to me. Yes. So. Um, it's tough. And I think actually this is a really lovely question for you to bring up because it backtracks me to like the biggest challenge of my career was pandemic happened. Mm. Everyone looked to me. Dana, mm. you're what the only one on. We fired everyone. You are the only pe- like agency or people at the company to work because everything went digital. And so the amount of pressure I felt Mm -hmm. from that, and then George Floyd happened Mm -hmm. and everything else, the world went where it went. And Mm -hmm. you saw brands make mistakes. Reformation fucked up. Um, Other brands fucked up. Mm -hmm. Other brands handled it well. The black tiles, the black squares, yikes. And we all, and I, I just had to do my best. I just stared and I scrolled and I scrolled and I was like, what the fuck does a brand do? So let mm-hmm. me tell you, I didn't, if you asked me this two years ago, I would have been like, Meadow, what? <laughs> <laughs> like, what do you mean? We're selling this. Right. Um, and it got to the point where it, it gets sticky because there's moments where, yes, the brand speaks of it, but then it affects their revenue or it affects something. But then it's like, is the revenue loss okay because you're getting the respect and um, loyalty from these consumers who respect that you did post about that or things like that? So I would say morally, fuck yeah, say if it has to do with human rights, being alive, brands should most definitely um, speak up, share resources. That's a thing. I because they are the ones to make it cool. I yes. hate to say it, but a lot it's of people true. turn to it's that to make true. it cool. So if yeah. you're going to be, if you or have the platform, aside from making it cool, like you're reaching an audience of people that might not have seen it before, yes. right? And right. and that's where it's like, oh, you have fake news, media, blah blah blah. And but there is a point where brands do do their due diligence on what's happening in the world, right? And they need to say something because if they don't say anything, then people now look down on them for not. But they need to say something, but not say something to check a box. I'm so fucking right. done exactly. with brands and people doing things to check a box. Like, mm-hmm. okay, fucking check your box, but then do like walk the walk and because that's so, so disconnected from the why. When no, you're and, and by the way, you can see the box, it. It's so di- it's you can everyone you can see, can it. see everyone right knows. through it. Yeah. See right through it, and it's like it's like oh, we we're sending best wishes or in thoughts and prayers or. Mm-hmm. Whatever, but it's like, okay, did you donate? Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, if you don't have the funds to donate, did you share resources? Mm-hmm. Like, there's so much you can do, and that's like, ah, uh, yeah, it's one of like something I get so fired up about because I had clients who were like, oh, I just put a post up to like 
put a post up. Placate. Yeah. Are you fucking kidding me? Like back when, especially AAPI, like there's an AAPI Mm -hmm. hate moment. Mm -hmm. And I brought this up to an ex client and the CEO, I was like, Hey, like here's a graphic, here's a caption, like in solidarity with our AAPI brothers and sisters, et cetera. Coming from fucking me. I'm Asian. If you didn't know that everyone looks, if you're listening. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And he responded and was like, what's next? Are we going to support testicular cancer or the handicap Olympics? And he goes, I don't think we need to say anything on it. You and need to tell me when we sign off who this was. Oh, I absolutely will. Um, we do not work with them anymore. But yeah. like that moment, I was like, you really just fucking said that to me. And like, it just, ick, 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 ick. Eh. So yes, if you are a small brand or a big brand, there is something you can do. And mm-hmm. if it is not monetary or like donation with like part of the proceeds to certain products or anything like that, absolutely use your platform to share resources and vet out the resources. If you're thoughtful and vet out resources, mm-hmm. that is doing something. Mm-hmm. And that is more than enough. So yes. Um, and speaking of which... Yeah. Because now that you've had an hour, 20 minutes of Dana's fucking brilliance, oh my God, if I you know. donate $350 to Planned Parenthood and email that receipt to Dana, you get a fucking hour mm-hmm. of this genius's time. You yeah. If you need help with social strategy, if you have a brand, if you want to be an influencer, content creator, I don't care what you're doing. If you want to start a podcast, for the love of God, make a beautiful donation. Yeah. And do the best. I can't tell you. I have to hold myself back day to day from texting you, Dana, because I just want you to solve all my problems because you're so smart. No, you don't even and know. so generous. Like Gabby and I have to hold each other back from just, no. I'm like, you're the busiest woman in the world. It's so yeah. inappropriate. And I, I've already asked you to write every email for me possible. Like I... I just want you to hold my hand through life. Literally, because it's like I met, we were talking about your guiding light. Yeah. Where it was like, I, I feel bad because I feel useless. No. Like in your like in your presence where I'm like, yes. I don't I don't know I don't what have I the can same offer. To offer. And so like I'm just like I don't wanna ask because I'm like I I don't know what to give. <laughs> I we can give Benny. you love. I will watch, <laughs> Benny. We'll watch Benny. Yeah. You can give me like you give me love. Like the amount and it's so tied to oh, my trauma, but it's like the friendship we have and like the amount of love I have for you, I will always give. And like I don't want you both to ever feel like you have to give me anything back because you give no, me more than enough. We know. <laughs> That's why we can't take advantage of you. You're the most generous human being in the entire planet. Listen to you. I we know. know. Like, I've been smiling this whole podcast. It's like smiling yeah. or a verge of tears that I'm happy to talk to I know, to I actually cried earlier. Yeah. And like I don't know. I love you both so much and I love everyone. We love you so much. I love I just Send me your email drafts. I'll rewrite them. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, Meadow needs help with email drafts. I need you help with like yeah. literally next steps in my life. Yes. Yeah, I'm exactly. here for that. All and that them. is like the friend I want to show up and like, I, let me help you. <laughs> but also yeah. know that Let you us help have, you too. You, yeah. you do. You do. Yeah. You absolutely do. And more than you even know <laughs> in my heart. I feel like thank even you though for, we could talk to you forever, this is a great cute place to to end. 
Also, thank you for the unprecedented level of vulnerability. Oh, oh my. And I will I, send it to you because I know you blacked it out so that you could review it before we post it. Yeah, <laughs> honestly, like, fuck it. I, I don't even need to review it. Like, you, like, even if you want to send it, I honestly might not fully listen because yeah, fair. at this point, fair. too, like, everything I've gone to, to how can I turn this into, like, a gift to others like people have not gone through what I've gone through and maybe you have and there's maybe parts of my life that like people relate to if I can help in any way then just don't bleep anything out just yeah. fuck it oh, Dana we fucking fuck it, we adore ball. you we love you so much so thank you so much so does Mahal. Oh. hello hello Benny was not allowed in the room during this because he would have barked every time I said the was very good like what was going on today well Aaron came home halfway through so then I think you know I just don't think Mahal's my number one friend of me so when it's just me Meadow and Mahal she screams Dana and Maddie are Mahal's number one fans yeah we've made out I I love Mahal I just don't I just I I think I'm I think I'm that (laughs) on go ahead explain it yeah yeah, I'm like I love her so much but because like if I didn't work with Meadow my love for Mahal exactly would be It'd through be the different. roof. No one gets a worse version of Mahal than Gabby. It's so true. It's not it's even funny. So fucking true. It's uncanny. <laughs> She'll bark the entire the time, time. On the she's phone. screaming. And then the second we hang up, she's done she for the stopped. rest of the day. I think she hates me. It is no, it's so fucked up. Wait. She knows that Gabby takes my attention away from her and she just lashes out. Yeah. Oh, like and bad. I believe it because I've seen Mahal want attention from you. From oh and yes. she just barks. Oh yeah. From when, her when, from her core. From her core. When we went to breakfast the high last time Meadow was here, <laughs> I literally was staring at Mahal like staring oh, at bitch. me. No, no, no. This dog yeah. for two hours was sitting at the fucking diner, staring directly at Meadow, didn't break eye contact mm-hmm. the whole time, just staring at her. It's weird. I look at her sometimes. I'm like, leave me alone. Bro. I'm like, that's like, it's weird. weird. She loves you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I gotta Thank get you. another dog. That's the only thing to do. I gotta get her. I gotta get her a friend. Yeah, well, or what you Aaron just move in here. But I Aaron's know. Always like, I gotta get another Benny one. Do you know her and Benny fought? Yeah. Oh, they yeah. literally got in like a tussle. They Benny got in, like, told her to fuck off, and I'm I was like, that she didn't like it. Yeah, it was boundaries, <laughs> and then Meadow, not Meadow, Mom was like, huh? same, same, same. Yeah. same, same. <laughs> The thing is, like, I'm Pounders. sorry. Nobody asked me to pick a side. I picked Benny's side. <laughs> <laughs> no, we all no do, honestly. No, Let we all do. Maddie did too. Maddie yeah, looked at him and was like, get away from him. Benny has just seen some shit and Mahal yeah, has just... Mahal's a privileged bitch. bitch. <laughs> yeah, come on. Oh, Benny was rescued. He was a rescue. Oh, sweet, sweet boy. boy. <laughs> Okay, Benadryl. we love you. I'm turning love this you off so now. Much. Yeah. Love you. Bye. See you next week. Bye. Thank you guys so much for listening to the Thoughts Mayberry podcast every Monday. <laughs> <laughs>